The Out of Bounds Show podcast is brought to you by Bank Plus. Bank Plus, it's more than a name, it's a promise. WRKS Pickens Jackson. You ready? Let's go! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now live in the Bank Plus studio, where college football meets the all-lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming around the world live at the Out of Bounds radio app. And on your radio at ESPN 105.9. Where are you? The Zone. Woo. Good morning. Welcome in. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN, brought to you by iCare Professionals. Dr. Kirk Jeffries, two locations on Lakeland Drive. LASIK and cataract surgery. Dr. Kirk Jeffries, iCare Professionals, on Lakeland and Jackson, and uh, Lakeland, Bellmead, Flowood. Good morning. Welcome in. Blake Mania with me. I am your host, Bo Bounds. I hope you're doing well on a chilly Thursday, getting ready for uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State in basketball at the Hump on Saturday. I know all of y'all are just uh, thrilled with your basketball coaches, both Kermit Davis Jr. and Ben Hallen. And then we also have four games in the NFL. Man, if three of them are really, really good, I know we'll be happy. Packers could blow out the 49ers. Usually when we think that's going to happen, it doesn't in sports, but that may play. I, I will say this though. Last week, a lot of, a lot of us y'all thought, you know, that the chiefs would smoke the Steelers and, and they did. So, um, but I'm excited about the two games on Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll get into the final four. But before that, let's enjoy the four that we have. We, we have sec flavor everywhere. Uh, Mississippi state and Ole Miss too. Uh, I hate that Willie Gay got uh, arrested last night. Um, that is not what you want to do, period, in life. But uh, when you're in the NFL and you're on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and you're in the middle of a pre- playoff run, yeah. Yeah, you're preparing yeah. for a divisional game against the Bills. Mm. You don't want to get arrested. Uh, m- misdemeanor, I don't know what it is. Um, they call it criminal damage. I yeah, don't know what that means. I, I don't. I don't know what that means either. There's that, no information. That sounds vague yeah. and could be any number of things. So uh, we'll find out more. I don't know what his playing status will be, and um, but you hate to see that he is one of the uh, the players from from MSU um, in the playoffs. Obviously, Ole Miss has has some too. Uh, DJ Jones got a got a sack on Dak. Uh, I didn't mean to rhyme there. Uh, on Sat was Sunday. Sunday. Yep. And um, you get the AJ Brown playoff de- debut. Yeah. Jeffrey Simmons. Um, and there's others. So, and then you got the SEC flavor at QB with um, Joe Burrow. Tannehill was at A and M when they were in the Big Twelve. Matthew Stafford at Georgia, and and so on. So it's exciting. We we've, we've got the best. Blake may disagree. He may go Brady. I, I think the best QB in the game right now is Aaron Rodgers. Um, it depends but on you what you mean. But you still have Mahomes. And, Do you, you mean know, best maybe. in terms of ability to make throws or best in terms of gets the win? Because you still can't deny that Brady... Like, there's nothing more legacy-empowering than Brady leaving Belichick and immediately winning a Super Bowl. I know. That's incredible. Because he had to elevate a team that had done literally nothing in 18 years. 
Yeah, something now, like that. They were talented, though. Um, I mean, very, very and yeah. they made some great acquisitions. Correct. But uh, but he brings people with him. It's just and, the way it is. And I don't know how they kept everybody from last year's team. That doesn't happen in the the new age of the yeah. NFL. And after they, you win the Super Bowl. They embarrassed the the Eagles, and he was missing his number one running back and his number one receiver. Yeah. So they won't have Chris Godwin all playoffs. So if he does it this year, it'll be impressive. You you could tell Steve Palazzo was kind of leaning towards the Rams. Um, Interesting. You know, ben Hallen losing last night. Uh, I I mean, I'm not surprised because Florida's good. It was on the road. Um, I don't think you're better than Florida, but you had every opportunity to win and fell apart the last piece of the game and and so on. Uh, you just get the sense that apathy has set in. Uh, ben Hallen's done a good job. Uh, there's still some wins out there. I mean, they've got to beat Ole Miss. Uh, if he doesn't beat Ole Miss on Saturday, close shop. Uh, it will get rough. Then they have a couple of tough road games at Kentucky, at Texas Tech. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where you're going to get the wins down the stretch. Um, there's still not enough there for me to get really excited about. But it's a good team. But. It's a team that could definitely fall in the NIT. I mean, you know? I, I know you're saying that they net, like winning on the road at Florida would have been a better than average win, right? Like in terms of oh, like, it'd been way better than that. Well, I get that we call like in terms of how we call like TLC in football, like that it would have been an upset, so to speak. But on the other side of that is Florida was missing their best player. Yeah. So I, you have to take that into consideration. Other than like Kentucky and Auburn you should be able to hang with or beat most any team that loses their best player. And they did. Did they, though? They they did, they scored two field goals in the last 10 minutes of the game. Oh, I understand what happened at the end. I mean, for the better part of the game, they were doing what they needed to do on the road. But how many times have we seen that book play out for Ben Howland and Mississippi State to, to have a lead like that and then just go scoreless for that type of drought? Yeah. Of course, that happens a lot in... That's prevalent uh, throughout the world of college basketball. That's most, that's 90. I, I think where college basketball is today, scoring droughts are a dime a dozen mm-hmm. with teams. Um, so I, I guess I'm not surprised. A lot of people are that they went through a scoring yeah. drought. I'd already watched them play this year <laughs> yeah. enough to know that they had scoring droughts against teams that aren't as good as Florida on the road, okay? Correct. And being on the road. So I wasn't surprised that that happened. Yeah. And I've been talking about their perimeter. Uh, You know, it just... Do you have guys that can go get buckets on the road when you need it? Uh, Q Weatherspoon and Brian Tyree could go get buckets any time in college basketball. How many times did, did Q Weatherspoon score... Under five seconds on the shot clock. How many guys does Bruce Pearl have at Auburn that can go get a bucket as the shot clock goes six, five, four, three? Now, take it to today. Mississippi State and Ole Miss lineup. How many guys do you have that can go get buckets with five seconds while the shot clock is ticking down? How many guys do you have? Exactly. I mean, you watch you watch some of these other teams play, and you're like, whoa. And, and that's what it comes down to. When that shot clock gets to about eight or nine seconds, what can you do? 
do you have the ability to either shoot it from 21 or 22 or put it on the floor, make drive past somebody and finish either with a floater or at the rim? Do you have that ability? Not, I mean, that's not, that's not a dime a dozen in the world of college basketball. So, um, and here's what's fascinating. You know, I don't know what you can do. I mean, Hallen's brought in some good talent. Um, and, and so is Kermit Davis Jr. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, is, I just, NCAA tournament, yeah. Is this where you go to, like, in football when we talk about play calling or schematics? Like, you... You just, I guess it, it's a it's a philosophy thing. Like you have to approach the entire thing from the ground up with the correct offensive philosophy. Or even when you get some good talent, you're not maximizing it the way you need to. Yeah, I don't know. Could argue I that. mean, I know you don't call plays in basketball like the way that you do in football. It's not the same. Well, he does it. The, uh, they do. Uh, they over, all just about all college basketball coaches like to call plays every possession, which I think is which ridiculous. is dumb. Bruce Pearl doesn't do that. I mean, Watch if, Auburn if, if play. You, if you've been practicing since August 5th and you're any good at coaching the point guard position or the guard position, you should be able to yeah. kind of set what you want, right, depending on situationally, yeah. Yeah. and also let your players play with some autonomy. I mean, I'm not saying let's just throw it up. No. But you got to have a feel for the game. I mean, it, yeah. but no, I mean, this whole let's back it out, I, I would never do that in, like, high school girls basketball. I don't understand why people reset at all. I mean, that blows me. I mean, you've got to go down the court and shoot it as soon as you can. That's a that's a higher, you know, efficiency shot and so on. I mean, let's back it out. Let the defense set up is mind-boggling to me. So you you ask a great question there with Hallen and Kermit. Do they overcoach? Yes. Um, Steve Robertson at 930 today. The Out of Bounds Show podcast is brought to you by Boar's Head. Premium meats, cheeses, and hummus. Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. All right. Good morning. Welcome in to the Out of Bounds Show. 105.9 The Zone. ESPN. Show is brought to you by Sound and Communications. They put together audio-visual systems for your business, church, sports facilities. SoundcomAV.com. We welcome in Mike Natillier. WWL Radio TV New Orleans and Mike joins us on the Bucked Up Energy guest line and Mike uh, let's start with with free agent quarterbacks and you know you and I we're gonna I know y'all are gonna talk about it all the time but discuss the the free agents here and could could you see more in play other than Russell Wilson Derek Carr and Jimmy G did you see another QB in play that maybe Sean and Mickey Loomis go after? I think those would be the three guys um, at this stage. Uh, most teams, if they have a quarterback, they're not going to get rid of him. And, uh, you know, I, the interesting would, will be Aaron Rodgers and what happens with him. And if Green Bay decides to move on or Aaron decides – you know, I don't want to play here anymore. Then you're gonna you're gonna have to move him, and I wouldn't perceive that they would be that dumb to trade him to an NFC team. That they would deal him to the to an AFC team. But um, I think it would be one of those three. 
Uh, It's not on the roster today. When you look at who's still standing, okay, you just look at the playoff system and who's still standing. Uh, Just take a good look at that quarterback situation. Now, with the Titans, uh, the way they're built and structured with Tannehill, uh, you get it, you know, uh, that he's he's not a star quarterback, but uh, he does have a star in the backfield, which they get back in uh, in Derek. But and everybody else, you pretty much all built the same. You're you're around that guy that can sling it, and so I think Sean understands that that for him to make the next step, he has got to get better at that that most position that is the most coveted and can get you to the top quicker than any other. What percentage would you put on it that they could strike out? I don't think he's going to strike out. I think I think he's got somebody in mind, okay. and and I think that they're going to go all out to do it, okay. S- similar to what the Rams did a year ago. Okay, they they made up their mind that you know golf wasn't going to be their guy, and so they they were going to move on from that. And I think Sean has that same sort of feeling. Okay, so wow, I mean, if you give a, even at the Jimmy G level, well, actually, I mean. How much difference is there? I mean, Russell's the best. They're not getting Aaron Rodgers, like you said, I don't think. So so if we're swimming in this Russell, Wilson, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, is there that big of a difference for you between Derek Carr and Jimmy G? I, I would prefer Carr over Jimmy G, but uh, it's it's not as big a difference as, you know, those two guys and Russell Wilson. That's a big, right. that, that's a big difference uh, with those two. And, the fact that he knows Garoppolo pretty well, they both went to the same college. Uh, he did have interest in him coming out. Uh, now, there's differing stories on that, and so let, let me just put it to you that way. Uh, the Saints had a chance to pick Garoppolo in the second round. Instead, instead they picked Stanley Jean-Baptiste, the cornerback from Nebraska. And we're trying to trade up to get Garoppolo, trying to get back up into the round two to get him. Uh, that has been the story that the Saints want you to believe. Now, we've talked to two different people who were in that draft room that says that's not necessarily the case. So, the, so again, there's a spin on the story that only a few people know about because you'd have to have been there at that time. But if you wanted him that bad, why didn't you pick him, you know, right off the bat and then try to trade up for Baptiste, the the cornerback, if you wanted him? Uh, so, you know, that everybody's got a story. How much truth to it, it remains <laughs> to be seen. But but I think that there is something about Garoppolo that Sean Payton really likes. I think he sees him in a similar manner to Tony Romo, who he had, in Dallas. Wow. Okay. I, I, I think he sees similar traits in him uh, as a passer, as a player, that sort of thing. I mean, Jimmy, as good as Sean is, if Jimmy G's third on the list and there's not that much difference between Derek Carr and Jimmy G, I still think Sean could take a guy like that and, and go to the Super Bowl. Do you? 
Well, Jimmy's been there. Yeah. Okay. True. He was there with, with San Francisco. So, yeah, uh, I really believe that. Now, one of the things I don't know, and there's only one guy that does, is Sean and Drew had a certain system they ran in New Orleans. And they tried to change that this year because, you know, at first it was Jameis Winston. And I think Sean sort of played around with it a little bit. I think he's much more comfortable uh, as a play caller in a system that is much similar to what he ran with Breeze than what he was trying to do with Jameis. That, that's just my opinion of it. I think he's very uh, particular in the type of quarterback he wants. See, Russell Wilson could run that. Uh, uh, Garoppolo could run that. Carr could run that. You know, you, when you look at Jameis, I think he was more of a guy that wanted to press the football further downfield constantly. And Sean tried to rein some of that in. Uh, with Jameis. But I think he's much more comfortable in what he had system-wise, the type quarterback he had before. And so that's why I think he moves on from there. I think he realizes, hey, listen, Winston's talented, that he always liked Jameis because of his long balls or throwing skills. But it also had an effect on the short game that he really likes. Because he wants ball control. He wants that short, intermediate part of the game. That's not what Jameis does best. Mike Dettelier, Saints Insider, on the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. You're listening Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN, brought to you by Sound and Communication, soundcomav.com. Um, all right. Mike, do you know the timeline? I don't know off the top of my head when this could all go down. Because they have to... It's two different things, right? Derek Carr and Jimmy G are free agents, and Russell would be a trade because he's not. Am I go? Am I right there, Mike? No, you have to. You'd have to deal with with Garoppolo too. Okay, all right. And so, my thing is on a trade. I think it. Ha- whatever happens, I think it happens quickly. Uh, I think they want something in place. Um, I, I think he would be intrigued by Deshaun Watson, but you know, there's so many other issues around him. And the cost value is going to be unbelievable uh, for Watson, and and I can't I do see the Texans moving him uh, this off season, but for the Saints, I think it's going to be really quick. I think they want to strike this very fast, and so once the kind of trade season starts, I think the Saints are going to be right there uh, to try to strike that deal. Uh, because they, they don't want too many teams jumping into the fray here. And they're not going to draft a quarterback, okay? Uh, you got one of the guys here. He constantly, uh, I guess maybe for clicks on his site or whatever, uh, you know, it, it's that's part of it. Come on, if you understand, Sean, that's not what he's done throughout his career. <laughs> you go back to when he was with the Giants, you know, it was he he brought in the veteran and Kerry Collins to be the guy. Uh, you look back in Dallas, it took Romo three seasons before he got his first start. 
He's drafted a quarterback in Ian Book. He's he's not looking to draft another one. And they, they will have no shot at Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral. None. The, those guys will be long off the board by the time the Saints pick. So I, I do see them very active and quick acting in free agency or draft period where you can make the trade for a quarterback. I don't think he's he's going to wait. I think it's going to be pretty quick. The Out of Bounds Show podcast is powered by Breezy Oaks Ranch. For Mississippi-raised premium Wagyu beef and heritage pork shipped straight to your door, visit breezyoaksranch.com. Good morning. Welcome in the Out of Bounds Show. Brought to you by the Ram Trucks, Jeep Grand Cherokees, and pre-owned and new SUVs and trucks at Mack Hike and Flowood. Um, their dealership is loaded up with vehicles. They have the inventory. If you're in the market, MacHikeFlowood.com. MacHikeFlowood.com. We welcome in Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN on the Out of Bounds Show. Lugs, everybody's on the edge of their seat here uh, for Ole Miss and and Oklahoma over Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. But but Jackson Dart, the quarterback out of Southern Cal, uh, whoever lands him, Ole Miss or Oklahoma, what will they be getting? I think the hottest commodity in the transfer portal uh, to this point, aside from Caleb Williams, obviously that's a you know a, a, a big get for Lincoln Riley and USC. But I, I think people have undervalued Jackson Dart in terms of the long-term viability of what he's going to bring. Um, I, I say that, and I'm going to give you some history here on this kid. This is it's it's really interesting. So this kid, he was in the state of Utah. After a very, very strong junior year, he was getting lightly recruited. Probably not recruited to the point that he should have been, but nevertheless, just not seeing as much action. Then Utah decided to play high school football the fall of 2020 during the pandemic. And had they not done that, there is no way Jackson Dart would have even ended up at USC. He has a senior year that statistically was as good as I have ever seen over the last 16 years. Through 67 touchdowns, over 4,600 yards, only turned the ball over three times, rushed for almost 1,200 yards. I mean, it was just – this is all in one season. So he his recruitment happened late, and everybody got in on him. And I think that what they see is tremendous upside as a passer and a runner, a guy that's got a very, very bright future, ultra-talented, would be ideal in Lane Kiffin's offense. And I think that's one of the reasons, too, why Oklahoma is in on the sweepstakes is, is Jeff Levy and the offensive system and, and how he could fit. You know, with, with Oklahoma as a competitor in the, in the sweepstakes, you've got Dylan Gabriel there. Jackson Dart does have a redshirt season. So it's going to be interesting to see if it comes down to those two schools is it, okay, I want to play right away or be in the mix to play right away, or I have more of a long-term vision, I have no issue sitting and being the backup and maybe redshirting and then having another three years after that. So, you know, a big decision to be made for the young man, but I think he's really, really good, Bo. What Tom Luganville talking Jackson Dart on the Out of Bounds show and the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. So, Luke's 
who's his college comp, Jackson Dart? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, put me on the spot on this one. He, to be honest with you, he's a lot like Matt Corral was. If 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 I'm gonna have something pop into my head on the spur of the moment, that lightning quick release, the ability to pull the trigger, uh, the ability to take the front door, take off and run, and be a dangerous guy with his feet. Um, I think the thing about him is he's a gunslinger. All right, he's one of those guys that plays with a riverboat gambler mentality. Uh, he can release the ball off balance. He can change his arm angles. Uh, just he's a really functional QB. He's not one of those guys that is one-dimensional, uh, things have to be perfect in order to get the ball off. That's, that's not the case with him. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes him dangerous is if he breaks the pocket, he can throw back across his body, he can make downfield throws off of pure arm strength. Um, so, you know, when the, when the game maybe breaks down or turns into a bit of a sandlot type of situation, he's kind of perfectly tailored for that. All right, so uh, you have him outside of Caleb Will. Williams as the number one player in the transfer as the number two player in the transfer portal, right? Oh yeah. I think without question. I mean, to me, I think he's the hottest commodity he's got. And again, you know, he plays the quarterback position. Everybody's looking to upgrade at quarterback. Everybody's trying to figure out how do we get better than the opponent at quarterback? You know, we saw Harrison Bailey from Tennessee go to UNLV. I mean, I, I don't think he's a difference maker. We saw, uh, we, we've seen, um, some other guys bounce around here and there. Robbie Ashford left Oregon. He's going to join uh, Auburn. And, of course, you know, Zach Calzada moves from A&M to Auburn. But as far as a guy that I think is a significant athletic and physical upgrade, I don't think there's anybody in Jackson Dart territory. Um, where is Max Johnson on your list of transfer portal QBs considering he moved from – LSU to Texas A&M, Tom? He's up there because he played a lot. I, I think that's the thing is, you know, he went into last fall, and I know things didn't work out very well, but the guy had thrown in two starts, eight touchdowns to one interception, beat Florida on the road, um, played good football. And then when he played this year, played pretty good football. Hey, he's the reason LSU beat Texas A&M. I mean, it happened right in front of Jimbo Fisher's eyes. And so – I think it was a fairly easy evaluation process for Texas A&M and the staff. You get a guy that's played a lot of football. He's smart, son of an NFL uh, guy and Brad Johnson. So I thought that was a big pickup. I think any time, particularly at the quarterback position, where you can upgrade your depth and upgrade your talent with somebody that's played a lot, because it's one thing to say, okay, well, we recruited this guy out of high school. We really, really liked him. Now he's in the transfer portal, but he hasn't played. That's, that's a different conversation. There's a lot more gray area in that because what you think is what you think. When a guy has played, it's not only what you think, it's also to some degree what you know because there's a sample size. I think that's really, really important in, in all of this. And so, you know, a guy like Jackson Dart played a little bit with very average personnel, terrible in the offensive line. USC couldn't run the football, but he played enough to study him, right? And, and I think that's really, really important in all of this. So he could battle Jackson Dart could battle Luke Altmeyer. Um, yeah, oh yeah. You know, Altmeyer got thrown in the Sugar Bowl. I th- actually thought he looked pretty good, considering the circumstances. Um, sure. But but as far as comparing those two skill sets, 
you like Jackson Dart uh, above and beyond, head and shoulders above a Luke Altmaier, Tom? That might be a bit of a stretch. I don't, I don't know if I want to say that just yet. Um, I do think he's got some attributes that are very, very unique, that are very impressive. Um, but far and ahead, that might be unfair to Luke Altmaier because, you, look, listen, I like Luke Altmaier a lot too. We invited him to the Under Armour All-American game a year ago, obviously because of the pandemic, it didn't happen. So he's a high-profile guy, too. And, you know, really what this comes down to is, is wherever Jackson Dart goes, he's going to have to compete. Sure. You know, he's going to have to fight and battle. And that, that's the part in all of this, Bo, that I think gets glossed over. Is All these guys think the grass is greener on the other side and that there's going to be all of these opportunities and this and that. Well, what they're really saying is, I want to be handed the job. I don't know if I necessarily want to compete for one. So they're all looking at the depth chart. They're all trying to figure out, okay, well, where's the easiest path? And unfortunately, in football as in life, that's not how it works. No matter where you go, you're going to have to battle. You're going to have to fight. Like, for example, Zach Calzada. All right, Zach Calzada starts 10 games for Texas A&M. Well, why in the world would you be in the transfer portal? Do you want to know why? Because he probably went to Jimbo Fisher and said, hey, I expect to be the starter. And Jimbo Fisher told him, well, we're going to battle for the starting quarterback position here. And, and that's kind of how, that's how we do things. The, the, the quarterback's got to win the job. That Calzada probably didn't want to hear that. All right? Because so, I'm trying to think of any other reason. Why would that Calzada be in the transfer portal? It's hard to find another reason. Tom Luganbill on the Out of Bounds show and the Corona Premier guest line. What? Okay, let's go to Georgia. We, uh, we feel like... Bryce Young's going to be the best quarterback in the SEC next year, but Georgia just won the national championship with the walk-on. Stetson Bennett, the fourth, who is, uh, I mean, he's limited, Tom. He, he sure. but yeah. So, now this has happened in the past at the pro level and the college level where every now and then a team will move off even though they just won a championship. So, they were able to bottle it, do it, get it done. Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs, first time since 1980, as you know. Do you do you stay with Stetson Bennett, or do you hard charge for something for an upgrade at that position, Tom? Knowing how limited and how low his ceiling may be. So it's interesting you ask this question because I think this question is directly tied into the situation that Georgia has already been through with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields, because I and, and I played zero blame on Kirby Smart in this one because you, you take over a team, right? You go into the season and you think Jacob Eason's going to be your guy. He ends up going down. Jake Fromm, the true freshman, comes in, all right? And holy smokes, lo and behold, you're playing for a national championship. You bring in Justin Fields. What are you supposed to do? Put Jake Fromm on the bench? How do you, how do you justify that? Without having Justin Fields earn it, without him battling and fighting and scrapping and and really pushing, you know, Jake Fromm and having to earn the thing, you can't just take Jake Fromm and put him on the bench. And so, I, listen, I get, what they, I get what they did and why they did it. The, the answer to the question that you're asking now, though, revolves more around who they have at quarterback, not just Stetson Bennett, because I think if there's an area where Georgia has failed in recruiting, it's been the evaluation and signing of the quarterback position. I mean, they're the University of Georgia, and outside of Stetson Bennett, you know, they, they don't have a Bryce Young waiting in the wings. They don't have a C.J. Stroud. They don't have a Matt Corral. They don't have a Jackson Dart, all right? And 
I'm sitting there and I'm looking at that and I'm going, all right, well, who do they have right now that's a better option than him? Who have they gone out and upgraded in recruiting that's a better not option than him? And I don't know if there is one. Hmm. So for now, the, for now, they just may be playing with the guy that just won him a national championship, which could be fine. You're going to have great players around him. Yeah. That's, listen, at the end of the day, that's how Stetson Bennett put himself in this position. He didn't have to do it by himself. He didn't have to play above and beyond his ability level. He was smart enough to recognize the situation he was in, get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, do what's asked of you, all right? You're dominant on defense. You've got playmakers uh, everywhere. Even when George Pickens was, was injured, you still had really good players to work with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Georgia is right now, until they see a significant upgrade. Because I think that's the next phase, right? The next phase for Georgia, what is? We know they're going to have access to great players. We know they're going to dominate their in-state recruiting. But here, here is the thing that I think stands out. Do you know what state Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson are from? Georgia. Georgia. The next evolution of that program is when that next guy comes along, he can't go to Clemson. He can't go to Auburn. He can't go to Alabama, mm-hmm. whatever, it, whoever it is and, and wherever it is, you the university of Georgia just won a national championship. You should have the access to every elite player at the quarterback position in the country, not just in your own state. And they've got to start getting some of those guys. Tom Luganville on the out of bounds show. Let's so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of risks there though. I, I know it worked this year. And sure, we tend risk, to think, oh, well, it can work. But I think Bama's going to be better, and I think Ohio State's going to be better. But why, though? Look at the quarterback. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, let me ask you this. with George, I know it's not all settled yet, but with Georgia, yeah. and I know they've been recruiting, they may as well be number one, Bama, and now A&M. I mean, it's not a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, what kind of hit? I mean, are you expecting Georgia to be as loaded next year, Tom? No, not as maybe maybe loaded talent wise, not as loaded experience plus talent. Okay. In the sense that you know they're going to have some newer faces, but I don't think they'll have a drop off in talent. Okay. Um, I just think you were able to play conservative football with Stetson Bennett, the Ford. Sure. And if Bama, and I expect them to take a step forward on offense uh, in Ohio State, I just don't know if you can still do it playing, like you said, with a guy who you just say, hey, don't screw it up. Um, Because I just think that Bama and Ohio State, maybe one other team, Tom, will have enough firepower and playmaking ability where Alabama did not have that in in the championship game. Um, where you can't just use that model again. How about that? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, listen, lightning striking in, you know, twice in the same spot doesn't happen, right? So, yeah, yeah what, what is your upgrade? What is the thing that allows you to still hang with an Ohio State or an Alabama? Or even, let's just say, you know, if Clemson gets their quarterback situation remedied, they've got the same level of players as Ohio State and Georgia and, and Alabama, so we can't ca- count them out of the equation either. But um, I, I do think they're going to have to come up with something because now they've gone from being the hunter to the hunted, right? And not like they're not already getting everybody's best, but, you know, now now they're guaranteed to get that. But I, I don't know how to answer that question without seeing more of a competitive balance within their two and three deep at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because where where does the upgrade come from? 
right? I, it, it, does Stetson Bennett all of a sudden become an entirely different guy than what he's been? No, he Probably is what not. he is. He, he is, he is what, what he is, yeah. and that's fine. He is what he is, and, 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 that, and that is fine. And, you know, he's done something that no other player in 41 years at quarterback, and keep in mind, you know, there was a lot of hype around Aaron Murray, all right? You had, you had David Green. You, you had Eric Zier. You had, I mean, I think we had DJ Shock Stafford, I mean, I mean, all these guys. Stafford, yeah, yeah, you had all of these guys. And none of them got even close. Right. And this guy won a national championship. So you've got to give him credit for that. But I, I do agree, he is what he is. Um, okay, are you surprised Dabo... I mean, as hot as Clemson's been, and let's let's be honest, they've cooled as a program. It happens, you know, you you become the the flavor of the month overnight, and you can cool overnight. Um, mm-hmm. So, are you surprised Dabo is not in the mix for Jackson Dart or Caleb Williams or any? I mean, you name it. You know more about more of them than I do. But are you surprised? That he, because you always, if you can upgrade your room, upgrade it. Right. Are you surprised right. that they didn't go out and hunt a transfer QB, Tom? To some degree, yes, but I know they love Cade Klubnick, uh, the true freshman, who I think they believe will come in and not only battle DJ for the starting job, but could potentially beat him out. That being said, given the transfer portal, given the fact that they had exits, not entries, they had two walk-ons that were their second and third string quarterback in the Cheez-It Bowl would have led me to believe that, okay, maybe we need to go get a guy that's played some, right? And whether that's, you know, a Jackson Dart, a Caleb Williams, whoever it is, somebody that has played a little bit to really come in. And, and again, and I've said this before about Clemson, the whole goal, and, and you know, I know that, that Dabo's taken a lot of heat on this. And, you know, the whole goal of the transfer portal is to make your roster better. Okay, well, are there answers out there at quarterback that could potentially do that? Maybe so. Absolutely. Maybe so. But 99.9% of the other players at every other position in college football, how many of them are actually more talented than what Clemson currently has? Or Alabama, or Georgia, or Ohio State, all right? You're seeing so many of these other programs, all right? Like, let's just take Michigan State from last year. They went out, did a phenomenal job in the transfer portal. Phenomenal. But they had some real deficiencies on their roster. Not talented enough, not deep enough. So when that's the case, there may be a bunch of guys in the transfer portal that are better than what you currently have. But when you're in the top 1%, which a Clemson is, an Alabama is, a Georgia is, when a guy's, not, when a guy's in the transfer portal, why is he there? Well, because he's, he's not playing where he's currently at. Well, if he's not playing where he's currently at, how is he supposed to go beat out somebody in Alabama? I mean, that, that, that's I, I, I see, I can see it through Dabo's eyes. Now, does that mean that you don't find a situation here or there and you say, okay, this is the right fit, so we're going to take a flyer here and we're going to go do this? I'm not saying you don't do that. In fact, I think that Dabo probably needs to look at that a little bit harder as it re- relates to maybe a respective position or two. But by and large, people that are suggesting, why aren't you going in and, and, and recruiting the transfer portal? I totally see why he's not. Mm. Boy, I think he's given up a great opportunity to add, you know, three to five players every year. Um, when everybody, his other, the Sabins and, you know, others are, are doing it. So, yeah, well, no, now hold on a second, though. Let's, let's look at that. 
with Alabama, they brought in two guys, all right? Two guys that they knew were upgrades, that they had recruited heavily, that had been finalists for their services at the high school level. They didn't go out and target a bunch of guys. Two, Henry Toa To'o and Jameson Williams. All right, so those guys, were they upgrades? Yes. All right, did they help in depth? Yes. So you've answered the two questions. But by and large, I mean, that's two guys in a transfer portal of 2,500 players at, at, at one point. Yeah. And they happen to hit on both of them. I think the other thing that Dabo worries about a little bit, and I don't blame him here because I think all the coaches worry about this. You better do your homework in the transfer portal because what you don't want to do is you don't want to bring in a bad element to your locker room, right? You better find out, was this guy a locker room lawyer at his previous place? Was he an off-the-field issue? Was he a complainer? Was he a finger pointer? What type of guy is he? What, what are some of the reasons why he's in the transfer portal? Because the last thing you want to do is think you're upgrading with talent and bring a bad guy into your program. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but for, for Dabo to not be a top three recruiter, to, to even dream of playing for it again, um, it, it, they, they've got to... Uh, they've got to go at least get a couple of guys every year. We'll see, though. Tom Luganville, we'll National College Football Analyst with ESPN on the Out of Bounds show. All right, what do you think about Kendall Browse possibly going? I mean, he's a phenomenal play caller. He's done a great job at Arkansas that's been, you know, they they haven't necessarily just had an abundance of offensive talent, skill talent. So right. um, there are rumors that he could go to Miami. Uh, do you really like him as an OC and play caller? I do. I think he's really, really sharp. I think he's always kind of been ahead of the curve and, you know, one step ahead of other people. I know all, oftentimes in that offense, many of the things that they were doing in those early successful years under Art Briles have been mimicked and copied by some of the college football's best programs. So there's obviously some proof in the pudding there. Um, listen, I, I think that he's – He's always looking for ways to be innovative. He's always looking for ways to maybe advance what they're already doing, already doing, get a couple of new wrinkles. But what I like most about their mentality is they are – that was an air raid foundation that transformed into a run-first, uh, fast-paced, high-tempo play-action offense in the passing game. And so they've done a great job of evolution – through the course of college football, not just kind of stuck to the, the the true air raid. They've really kind of made their own mark. And, you know, Lincoln Riley did this a little bit. I think Jeff Levy's done it. I, there's there's Dana Holgerson has become a guy that's run the football a lot. Neil Brown wants to run the football a lot. And, and I think a lot of that started with Art and Kendall Browns at Baylor. 30 seconds. Do you think Anthony Richardson can be with Napier and Gainesville? Do you think yep. AR-15 Anthony Richardson can be a star in college football at some point? Yeah, potentially, you know, I, I think we, what we saw with Levi Lewis at Louisiana in that offense with, when I say that, comparatively speaking, with the players that Louisiana was playing with compared to their group of five brethren and, you know, the advantages that they had personnel-wise, maybe early on, Florida's not going to have some of those advantages yet. They're going to have to recruit to that. But I do think the offensive system and the fit and what they want to be does fit uh, Anthony Richardson's uh, skill set. Bam. Thanks, Tom Luganville. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Tom Luganville, National College Football Analyst with ESPN on Jackson Dart as a player and the fact that uh, it's a good thing he played his senior year during the pandemic 
in Utah when they decided to make it a go. And he became a more sought-after recruit, eventually landed at Southern Cal. And now we'll see if he goes to Ole Miss or Oklahoma. Tom joined us on the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. That scares Blake every time I say it. It's the energy drink with the deer and the antlers. Check it out. Try it. You'll love it. We are the Out of Bounds Show, presented by Bank Plus. Hour number three coming up. Hour number three.